Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. When San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem, he sparked a vigorous national conversation about race, police, patriotism, free speech, and other issues. We're going to continue that conversation today on Access Utah. We're going to be talking with Forrest Crawford, professor of teacher education, former assistant to the president for institutional diversity at Weber State University, and Jason Gilmore, assistant professor of global communication at Utah State University. And we want to know what you think. Is the national anthem before a sporting event an appropriate place and time for protest? What is or should be the meaning of the word patriotism? What about related issues of race and police? And how do we make progress there? And how do we even talk about these issues in a constructive way? Here's how you can join the conversation. UPRAccess at gmail.com is our email, UPRAccess at gmail.com. You can join us by Twitter, at UPRAccess. And our phone number, toll-free, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Uh, Jason Gilmore, uh, USU professor, joins us in studio again. Thanks. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. And on telephone, uh, Forrest Crawford, as I mentioned, professor of teacher education, former assistant to the president for institutional diversity at Weber State University, joins us. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning, and thank you. Uh, so you're uh, just give people a, a sense of you. You're a native of Oklahoma, but you've uh, you've now been in Utah for quite a while. And I think you've you've earned degrees from three Utah institutions. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Weaver State in the, uh, in, in the uh, early seventies, uh, University of Utah uh, in the late seventies, and Brigham Young University in nineteen ninety. Well, you've already gone up through your Ph.D. I, I'm not sure what could get you here at Utah State, but we'd, we'd love to have you up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah, we have to come up with another degree. Huh? Come, come up with another degree. Uh, by the way, this I just uh, did a search uh, this morning on you know what, what's happening with uh, the, the very latest on on the, this um, whole national movement, conversation at least, that Colin Kaepernick sparked. I'm uh, seeing some things at East Carolina University, the marching band. Several members of the marching band took a knee. Uh, originally, the university was supportive, and now they are, uh, uh, I guess, scolding the, the band members, asking them not to do it again. The the suspicion is alumni got to the university administration. Uh, the high school kids in Aurora, high school football players in Aurora, Colorado, are taking taking the knee. Um and uh, it, it it seems like it's spreading here in Utah. Uh, they did ask Utah jazz players, and uh, some of the players said, well, a protest is possible, although I don't think we've seen uh, anything yet. Let me start with uh, Professor Crawford. Uh, just in general, what uh, what were your thoughts when, when you first uh, learned about uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and then how this thing has developed? Uh, uh, thanks for your question. <laughs> for me, it, it, it was... Uh... Uh, and, and, and irony that, that, first of all, that it really uh, spread in the way uh, that it did. I, I never imagined that it would uh, uh, rise to the level that we're um, seeing and experiencing today, in part because, um, you know, protest in our society has been kind of uh, commonplace, you know, uh, uh, you know, we've been taking a knee for a whole bunch of stuff over the years, you know. Um, in a metaphoric sense, um, you know, uh, taking a knee is kind of part of our our uh, DNA as a, as American uh, society. That's, that's made our democracy... Uh, 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 made our democracy... Uh, uh, to be the, the 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 strength that it is, in part because you know people have uh, staged protests and uh, picketed and marched in a variety of ways. So uh, that's why I'm saying that I was surprised that it has uh, taken off and gone the depth and breadth uh, uh, depth and breadth that it has, uh, because um, I believe that uh, uh, protest and 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 the freedom of protest and speech is uh, commonplace in American society. Justin Gilmore, what's your general reaction, first of all? I think my first reaction when I, uh, when I heard about Kaepernick taking, well, sitting down to begin with, mm-hmm. and then after that taking a knee, um, my first reaction was this is going to be met with a lot of backlash. Um, and 
it's interesting kind of looking at it from a social movement perspective when you look at how social movements progress over time is that somebody kind of sticks their neck out in this case sits down or takes a knee um and i think i was i i can uh kind of echo what professor crawford was saying is that um it's a tough endeavor for him to continue doing this under, I'm guessing, probably death threats and mm-hmm. all kinds of backlash. Yeah, there have been reported death threats, not only to him, but to others. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my reaction was that uh, this is going to be met with a lot of backlash. That said, um, it is kind of tapping into a larger social movement that is transpiring and has been transpiring for a couple of years now. Um, so it, I think I was a little surprised that he he didn't back down, right? That he continued with it and that he morphed it to a certain extent because he, he talked with a, a gentleman from uh, the Marines who said, I'm not okay with this. And, you know, maybe maybe what you should do is take a knee because in the, in the Marines, that's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. To respect veterans, to respect our fallen brothers, we take a knee for them. Um, so the way it's kind of changed over time um, has been has been very interesting. But my initial reaction was, this is going to create a firestorm, um, and it has done just that. And, and it continues. Uh, let me direct this one uh, again to, uh, to Forrest Crawford, Professor Crawford. Uh, I, was, uh, I pulled up a, a, a speech that a Navy SEAL gave to, I think this was University of Texas, legendary SEAL commander, retired Admiral Bill McRaven, former head of U.S. Special Operations Command. He commanded the raid that killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, so this is what he says about uh, about these protests. I spent 37 years defending the freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Nothing's more important to this democracy, nothing. However, while no one should be compelled to stand, they should recognize that by sitting in protest to the flag, they are disrespecting everyone who sacrificed to make this country what it is today as imperfect as it uh, might be. And that I think that uh, well represents one uh, strain of thought, uh, Professor Crawford, on this, that uh, you know, recognizing free speech, but that this is disrespectful, especially to to the military. What do you think? Well, um, I, I think that's a, a, a very articulate uh, a piece, and 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 it really uh, speaks to the level of his uh, uh, concern, care, and passion uh, uh, about how American uh, uh, society should, um, you know, carry more. Uh, if you will, patriotic dignity toward those who put their lives uh, on the line. And so uh, I, I can hear that and I can feel it even in, in, the, uh, in the piece that he had written. I do think that kind of the other part of that, or at least an extension of that, um, uh, is that, you know, we make a lot of uh, fundamental assumptions about how we think Americans ought to be. In other words, uh, we assume that the type of patriotism that I display is part of a prescriptive way in which everybody ought to uh, act and behave in, in a, you know, in in a free society. And uh, it's. Uh, never been that way, and I don't see that it's uh, playing out that way e- even today. And so uh, I think that to that end, uh, th- there are some maybe some assumptions that had, he may be making that, that suggest that uh, if I'm uh, uh, patriotic uh, to the depth and, and, and level that I am, that I think everybody else around me ought to be the same. Jason Gilmore, uh, Professor Gilmore, uh, the definition of patriotism is is in play here, right? Sure. At debate, yeah. What what constitutes patriotism? I'm sure the protesters would say, "Me taking a knee during the anthem, I'm exercising free speech. Mm-hmm. I am a patriot." Yeah, I mean, and this really echoes off of what Professor Crawford was saying: is that um, we see these kind of definitions of what it means to be patriotic. Um, and it's interesting in a country that's based around freedom of speech and freedom of choice and, and these things um, that we would then require others uh, to be patriotic in the ways that we see patriotism, right? That, so you have to be patriotic the way I'm patriotic. Um, and that's actually not exactly uh, – it doesn't align with the, the, the principles of this country, which is that people should be able to choose their own way into things, right? And that they can express their patriotism in different ways. 
And I would argue uh, that Colin Kaepernick uh, very much uh, believes that he is doing something patriotic, right? If we look back in the, the civil rights movement, we can see examples of uh, from Martin Luther King all the way through SNCC and all of the, the activists that were around at that point in time uh, argued the same thing, right? Is We are doing this because we are requiring our country to uh, live up to the principles that it says it stands for, uh, and that needs to include uh, people of color. Mm. Um, and so, and throughout the time, I mean, we now have Martin Luther King Day, and we now uh, revere many of those uh, people from the movement, but at the time, their patriotism was challenged, right? Martin Luther King, on a regular basis, was called anti-American. He was called non-patriotic. He was called, uh, you know, a number of different things uh, dealing with his patriotism. But from the get-go, um, the, it was it was about uh, not allowing somebody to dictate to you what patriotism means, um, and then again pushing society in a protest manner uh, to live up to the principles that it says. Um, it stands for. Hmm. Hey, you know, you, you, you uh, think, and thank you for saying that because, um, um, you know, you have to ask, kind of step back and really ask the question, you know, why do people protest? You know, what, what, uh, what happens in society that rises to the level that I'm getting up out of my seat because I am just completely incensed by what I have experienced personally or what I have observed and and what people see for example that's uh, uh contrary to their own uh you know uh personal lives are are, are contradictions uh, uh around them um uh, uh you know that they that they see these contradictions and and fragmentations in terms of how we try to live out this this true creed uh uh, uh, so to speak, and so um, that that part of what I think that we're good at in our American society is that you know we try to construct in people a consciousness about uh, how they ought to be w uh, uh, without uh, with each other. So so we construct that that we ought to be civil with each other, but we also construct that. Uh, uh, that we recognize that, that, that there is a space and place where people can differ with each other. Uh, democracy, in, in pursuing democracy, democracy has never been a, uh, a straight line, that it's been crooked, worn, and torn, and beat up, and tethered, and whatever. But as a result of it, when we look back and say, who are we and what have we done as an American society, you know, we can still call ourselves American, uh, uh, despite uh, the the uh, uh, rugged road that we've all been. Uh, we have a, a comment from Steve in Arizona. He's responding to the the, the quote that I gave of uh, of the admiral, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's a short email. He said, uh, "Let me see if I understand the admiral's point. The admiral is all for free speech, just so long as people don't exercise it." And uh, Professor Gilmore, I, I, that's one, uh, you know, uh, I guess logical construction of what the admiral was saying. Sure. Well, I mean, from the, the culture of, of military, um, it's not built around the same culture of the, the mainstream United States. It's, it's built around obedience, right? It's a bit built around. And that's those functions are very important to the structure of it. But but the mainstream American society is is built around the idea that we each get to voice our own concerns. Uh, and again, piggybacking off of what uh, Professor Crawford was saying is this idea of um, a democracy is built around the fact that we come to the table with different points of view and we hash it out together. Right. Unfortunately, something like this sends people away from the table, or maybe not this. I don't want to blame Kaepernick or, 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 or anything like that for sending people away from the table. That said, something like this happens, and instead of converging uh, and saying, hey, we might disagree on this, let's, let's hash this out together, um, people kind of go over to their camps and, and start shouting at the other side, right? Um, and so something like this needs to bring about a conversation, right? What we're having here 
uh, today and what, uh, to a certain extent, we've had throughout the nation about this. Uh, but this needs to this needs to produce something uh, constructive. It, it can't just be about pointing at the other side, saying they're bad, we're we're good, and that happening in, happening in the reverse. We have to move this forward. And say, what are the things that need to be done uh, so that somebody like Colin Kaepernick doesn't feel compelled to take a knee? You're uh, right, Doc. I, I, I fundamentally believe that the worst thing that can happen in a discourse like this is for people to just shut down because they don't want to uh, 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 infuse their ideals uh, um, uh, you know, in, into the uh, d- discussion. And, and, and so uh, what happens oftentimes is that if I feel like that I'm going to beat up, you know, get beat up in, in, in that conversation, then I'm not inclined to uh, participate, that I'm going to just take my ideals, my views, my experiences, perspectives, my marbles, if you will, and go home and just say, uh, I'm going to live life the way that I think is right, and so what, that's what, as a result, you have that kind of, of fragmentation about how American society is, is viewed. But I, I think that when we engage that conversation in the spirit that you were talking about, Professor, that um, uh, when you engage that, you know, what you do is uh, that you actually uh, begin to hear out uh, uh, people's fundamental concerns about you know, uh, uh, whether they like an ideal or, or they don't like an ideal, that at least that they can uh, uh, go down uh, the, the road, uh, you know, toward clarity, uh, not so much toward mutual embracement, but clarity. Uh, and, I, and, I, and with the students that I work with all of the time, you know, we don't necessarily say let's have the conversation for the purposes of me fully embracing uh, your perspective, but let's have the conversation from the perspective that at least I can engage with you with clarity. Oh, I'd like to I'd like to um, further that uh, that question. Put it in this context. I'll I'll direct this first to Professor Crawford. How do we have that conversation? Seems like we're moving in the wrong direction in terms of uh, we're going to we're retreating to our camps it seems like um and uh, it is it if it's grossly simplifying it if you if you look at uh, white america black america uh radically different experiences uh, you know take take an example experience with the police you know if if you're a black man you you're likely to have a different experience with police than than if you're a, a white man for for example so uh, professor Croft, you, you it sounds like you've maybe had some successful conversations among students how do you how do we how do we even have that conversation in a constructive way? Yeah, the 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 good thing about uh, having students is you have that captive audience. Uh, they uh, 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 by and large they can't they can't go anywhere. You know they 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 want to sit and earn the grade and whatever. And so you know you do have an opportunity to engage them in a in a, in a free manner. But I've I've had an opportunity on ooh I bet you five six occasions where we've had public dialogues with law enforcement uh, and we've talked about this issue of, of perception and uh, uh, police brutality and the role of community-oriented policing and, and, and how that sometimes can be a clash between black community experience and, and um, uh, uh, law enforcement standards and expect, uh, expectations, that we've talked about the fact that long, long before we arrived at this point where uh, people were feeling like the black people are being uh, 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 disrespected and, and uh, uh, abused, you know, they were disrespected and abused long before all of this that had, had happened, and and none of it was hitting the media. That there there were some people who, uh, in the early evolution of uh, uh, police and African community uh, relationships, uh, where uh, those relationships were just intense and they were dark, and uh, we don't know the depth and breadth of 
mistrust that 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 grew, uh, the level of mistrust that grew as a result of that relationship. You know, what we have now in contemporary times is that certainly you have much more uh, uh, transparency, uh, but but uh, but I think in that transparency, what people are coming to realize is that my we did not realize how deep of a uh, a, a trench that we have uh, uh, we we've dug here, you know, with these various communities, uh, and 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 so I think that having that public discussion about how hurtful these things are. When you start thinking about the ideal that uh, uh, literally uh, hundreds of of African-American men, um, uh, you know, at least well over 100 uh, in the past couple of years have been uh, 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 gunned down, you know, certainly for a variety of uh, of reasons, and... um, and, and then on uh, contrasting on the other end, you know, just a handful of uh, law enforcement officers uh, uh, have been uh, uh, incarcerated and prosecuted uh, for that. That's an imbalance, but that's an imbalance that the black community, for example, knows very well. That uh, uh, that in, in a lot of ways the black community, uh, I, I know, let me just speak for myself, that I, I really believe every time I hear about a uh, a police shooting, the first thing that pops up in my mind is that I wonder if it's an African American man. That we have almost uh, 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 it's almost like a Pavlovian uh, response is that every time I hear about a police shooting, that it's an automatic uh, 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 response to the notion that I wonder if this officer have gunned down. Uh, still yet an, uh, uh, another black man. So we, I think that we really have to change that narrative because uh, I don't think that people really understand uh, the trauma that that packs when you're trying to engage in problem solving. Let me turn to Professor Gilmore, get your reaction. Let me frame it this way, the same question, but, but in this frame, through the vice presidential debate, and that, um, you know, some stretches were boring and others were very vigorous. Mm-hmm. This very brief passage, they didn't talk a whole lot about race, but but uh, a brief passage kind of, uh, it, to my mind, illustrates the divide. Mm-hmm. Senator Kane, he made the statement, we're all biased. Mm-hmm. And he pushed for community policing and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to uh, bridge the divide. Um, Governor Pence, I think, represented a, a certain segment of the country when when he seemed to express frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he said, uh, "Why do we keep having to go there? Why you know you keep bringing up race?" Uh, I hope I'm uh, quoting him accurately or paraphrasing him accurately. He says, "Why can't we just support police and you know and and and, and move on?" Yeah, I mean, I think actually one of the disservices that we're seeing to the conversation about uh, or a productive conversation about uh, police, about uh, community policing, about uh, the relationship between uh, the police and their communities and having an actual effective conversation, what's doing a disservice to that is national politics. Uh, And in an election year, unfortunately, what... uh, and this is both sides, they want to pit us against each other, right? Because they want us to go out and vote for one versus the other. But unfortunately, what what a narrative has come out, uh, and I've seen this more from the Trump-Pence side, which is that if you're uh, talking about these issues, you are anti-police, right? And that's just to to split the country and say, we're divided, sorry, Um, we're divided, you're on that side or you're on this side. And I say this is a disservice to us uh, because it sends us away from the table yet again. Um, it says that this is a binary issue. It's either you're either with us or you're against us, right? We've heard this, this language before. Um, 
when unfortunately or what we what we need is to recognize that uh, simply because we we recognize a problem in our communities uh, doesn't mean we are anti-police in fact uh, the police need uh, their perspective heard on this as well because they're uh, doing an amazing service they're uh, they're putting their lives on the line they're servicing the community and there are uh, far more um, far far more um, uh, police who are uh, community oriented who want to do a service that's why they got into that job uh, than the ones that are not doing a service right or the ones who are following a system that is disadvantaging uh, certain communities over others uh, so this is not an issue of one versus the other in fact it's a hey we're all in this together conversation let's get at uh, what what is built into the system that we need to change so unfortunately, that type of a conversation in the vice presidential debate, in the presidential debate, out of the conventions and on the, on the trails, is they are really trying to, to put a wedge in between us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what, what we're seeing on the national level is that m- the more we talk about this, right, uh, the more it sinks in, the more the good people, right? I mean, for all intents and purposes, most, most people are good people. They, they don't want to be racist. They don't want to uh, act on bias in their brains. They don't want to do these things, but they don't really have the tools to really navigate these things. And it's through these effective conversations uh, that we build in those tools, that we start to uh, be able to have difficult conversations, but understand that those difficult conversations bring us closer together. They move our communities in good ways, and they they create effective change, right? Mm -hmm. So, if we really are what we keep on saying we are, a, a nation that wants to, to be as good as we can, then, then that's where it happens, is at those tables where we, we hash out these issues and we, we affect policy changes that benefit police and the communities they serve. Mm. Let's take yeah. a break. Uh, 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 Professor Crawford, you want to add something, and then we'll take a break. I, yeah, I, well, I just feel like the, what, what uh, Professor had said that is uh, – very uh, clear and very articulate. And what I try to do is uh, I have the privilege of really being able to stand before students. And I feel like that my fundamental obligation is to arm them with the proper way in which they can engage society in a correct, fair, and equitable manner. And uh, before we go to break, let's uh, bring in a caller. Uh, Jennifer from Vernal has uh, joined us. Jennifer, glad you glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, this is this is a subject pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, um, you know, we moved here from the South Side of Chicago. Sorry, I'm crying, but I see a lot of racism out here in Vernal, and these are people who don't know any black people. And um, there are a lot of people who are just always for law enforcement, you know, let's give them a thumbs up, because they've never been arrested. Um, They've never been to jail. But when you go to jail here, you see that, um, at least on G&H blocks, uh, women of color are overrepresented, okay? And it's not very difficult to get into jail here if you don't have any money and you do have ADHD and space off a court date or something, but until people have experienced what Kaepernick is, is referring to, they don't really have the, what, what we might call street cred to, to make the comments that they make. You really do have to walk a mile in these other people's shoes. I would like for Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton to go live in Section 8 housing for a while and mm-hmm. and have to live on, uh, I'd like Donald Trump to live on what he was paying the workers who built that hotel. But until they, it, until they actually have walked the walk, I don't think they even, um, they have the right to express their opinions, but their opinions are not backed up by any real-life experience. So... I was I was defending Kaepernick. I think taking a knee is better than the alternative because we do want to show respect for the people who have risked their lives. But by golly, you do have the right 
just like people who went to Vietnam and and came back and said, look, this was not a good deal and we were lied to. If, if the American public hadn't been lied to so many times, maybe we wouldn't be so cynical. But I'm just saying, until they've experienced what these people are talking about, I don't, I don't like the lady I mentioned to the lady who answered the phone, the lady who was working for Trump, real estate lady, she said there was no racism in America till Barack Obama got elected. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. But she's a white, rich lady. Mm. So anyway, I'm just saying, they need to have the experience before they mouth off. Okay, thank right, you. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. I, I appreciate your, your experience there. I appreciate you calling. Uh, Jennifer Thanks. called uh, 800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can as well. We're talking about the uh, national anthem protests, which have been spreading throughout the uh, country after Colin Kaepernick uh, sat and then took a knee. And uh, we're asking you, uh, how do we talk about race? Uh, what about race and police? Uh, what is the meaning of patriotism? And uh, what do you think of the, the Kaepernick-inspired uh, uh, protest? Uh, let me get a response to Jennifer's call first from uh, Professor Crawford. Uh, I, I think that um, um, in, in all due respect that I, um, you know, I feel uh, sad about uh, what she expressed as the reality of the situation there. Um, I, I believe that um, on, on one end of the continuum that, um, that we, we have to uh, uh, construct a way in which to be respectful of law enforcement. That that, uh, that that is not going away. And so the question to me is what kinds of things are we doing in our various communities uh, across Utah where uh, there is a a formula for for um, uh, you know engaging law enforcement in a, in a correct manner. Uh, I think the uh, the other side of that, con- that continuum is that uh, to me, the worst thing that can happen is for Forrest Crawford to be fearful of the very source that I'm going to have to call on, you know, to uh, for assistance. Uh, to me, it doesn't make sense uh, uh, whatsoever for me on one end to be very dogged against law enforcement, and then the next thing I know, if I'm in hot water, if somebody is robbing me or whatever, then I've got to call on who? The, same, the very people that I'm critiquing. And, and, and so I think it's a, a, a urgency that uh, really compels us as a community to say, look, we've got to stop conniving and jiving each other and really... Uh, look, look each other in the face and say, let's let's create the right kind of uh, dialogue. Let's create the right kind of conditions where we can uh, 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 trust uh, each other. That my suspicion is that she has seen some um, uh, uh, irregularities that have uh, hurt her heart to the core. And, and, and that she sees this imbalance and, and, and she's asking questions to herself about, you know, what's happening here and, and uh, how do we in, in, engage this uh, uh, situation? My, so, so the part of what I uh, hope for is, is that um, I think that we have to really trust even our uh, inept discourse with each other, because I think that in that inept discourse, at least we try to fight to find the words uh, or uh, find the words for uh, 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 find the, uh, the disposition for understanding. Uh, why? Because now you're in front of me. Now, now you're having to, to uh, I'm having to really come up with a way of reconciling my relationship with you despite 
the ineptness uh, uh, of our relationship, that if we haven't even had a relationship with each other, I'm compelled now to, to, to hear you out uh, and, and, and your experience. And so I'm, I'm an advocate of creating models, creating um, uh, 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 situations where communities, individuals can engage with each other uh, uh, you know, if it needs to be a facilitator or whatever, that's that's fine. But it's for the purpose of uh, of, of trying to find uh, common common language and 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 common normative ways in which we can uh, uh, better understand each other. Professor Gilmore, uh, uh, your comments, and then we'll we'll take that break. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot packed into all of that, um, and I, I appreciate. Uh, the sentiment, and I think there's a couple of things that are important to to say, and then maybe we'll go to break and and hash out more of this when we come back. Um, but it's it's the idea of um, if we don't come to the table to talk about things, what happens is we tend to imagine and assume what the other person has in their brain. So I think a lot of people maybe in the white community think, well, they're, they're going to call us racist or they think we're racist. Well, they haven't said that yet, right? They haven't, you haven't engaged with them to give them the opportunity to do that, but you've kind of hunkered down in your space. We'll come to the table and maybe having that conversation, we'll say, well, we're not saying you're racist. That said, there is unfortunately racism in the system that we need to address, right? And there is this thing called implicit bias uh, built into the cognitive functions of our brains. And these are things that we can work on together, right? We don't have to assume that the other one's not going to come to the table on that. The, the other thing that I'll, I'll say is that uh, all voices need to be at the table on this. So, um, like I said, the solutions that come to play that need to, to be found are the ones that benefit both uh, the police as well as the communities that they serve. Uh, and that has to have long-term ownership from the community as well as the police officers who are enforcing uh, the law and who are serving those communities. It has to be owned by them. So their voices need to, to come into play to say, here's what we're facing on a daily basis. Here's, here's perhaps why this is transpiring. Here are the things that are needed. The community members can come in and have been voicing those concerns as well. Uh, but that's how you that's how you move things forward. That's, I think, at the end of the day, even those people who are hunkered down on the extremes or on their, in their sides, they would prefer for this to find a positive solution. Um, and so that's what those of us who, who have that, that, or all of us, if we can, is to come, come to the table and have those conversations and actually try and move this forward. We will uh, take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll uh, have uh, about uh, 15 minutes left in the conversation. You can join this conversation. Hope that you will. would love to get your perspective. Uh, several ways to reach us here. 1-800-826-1495 is the toll-free number. 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at upraxcess. Uh, we are talking uh, with Forrest Crawford, Professor of Teacher Education at Weber State University, and Jason Gilmore, Assistant Professor of Global Communication at Utah State University. And uh, we're talking about this national conversation that's uh, been sparked by uh, San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, taking a knee during the national anthem. That's uh, been spreading. It's uh, now happening at high school and college level, uh, WNBA, um, uh, women's soccer star uh, Megan uh, Rapino is has joined in. Uh, some people are pushing back at uh, this, um, and it's, it sounds like at least some people are theorizing that the reason that uh, viewership for NFL is down. Some people theorizing perhaps it's because of the protests. Uh, no way to prove that, of course. Uh, we'll talk more about this following the break. Did you know that when parents rave about a goal their child scored in the latest soccer game, the young athlete may be hearing more pressure than praise? When parents focus on scoring or the amount of time played on the field, the child may be hearing that mom or dad only cares about winning. Parental pressure and an overemphasis on winning in youth sports are the biggest reasons why children drop out. By the time they turn 13, 7 out of 10 young players quit participating. So what is the best thing a parent can say after watching their child's game? They can tell their young athlete, I love watching you play. 
Children also appreciate their parents when they hear some encouragement after a bad game. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. I'm Jeremy Hobson. The carnage of the war in Syria is on full display in Aleppo. You have very slim chance to survive. Don't forget, they are under constant bombardment. It's a city that few outside reporters can get into safely, but a video has emerged from inside a hospital there. We'll hear about it. That's next time on Here and Now. Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached our uh, last segment of uh, the program. About 10 minutes left. Hope that you'll join the conversation here. When San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem, he sparked a vigorous national con- conversation about race, police, patriotism, free speech, and other issues. We're continuing that conversation on Access Utah. We're talking with Forrest Crawford, professor of teacher education at Weber State University, and Jason Gilmore, assistant professor of global communication at Utah State University. And we want to know what you think. Is the national anthem uh, before a sporting event an appropriate place and time for protest? What is or should be the meaning of the word patriotism? What about related issues of race and police? How do we make progress there? And how do we even talk about these issues in a constructive way? We've uh, been uh, having a, I think, productive uh, discussion. We'll continue that uh, for about the next 10 minutes uh, to near the top of the hour. You can share your comment uh, to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, and via Twitter, at upraxis. And uh, you can call us. Toll-free, 1-800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. We begin this segment with an email from Ken in Lemington or Leamington. I'm, I apologize, Ken. I don't know how to pronounce your, your town, which I'm sure is, is beautiful. It hurts my pride as well that I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce Lemington or Leamington. Anyway, we appreciate your email, Ken. And uh, I'll go first to Professor Gilmore, just so you know, on this one. Um, here's what Ken says. As to the Arizona caller's response to the Admiral, let's not confuse free speech with patriotism. Kaepernick is protesting and blaming the nation for racist, the racist actions of a few. Dr. King was protesting systemic racism embedded in the laws and widely held attitudes of the time. Kudos to Dr. King. Kaepernick is not King. BLM is another problematic approach. Reverse racism does not solve the racism problem. I think BLM here refers to Black Lives Matter. This is another problematic approach. Reverse racism does not solve the racism problem. I agree with your guest. Most people are good people. So Professor Gilmore first, and then we'll go to Professor Crawford on this. So there's a lot built into that. Um, so I think the first thing that that pops out in my brain about that is that um, is to think that for some reason in the 1960s that there were systemic pieces of racism built into the system and that that isn't true today, right? Uh, that is very much the case today. Um, this is not something that we're actually having a debate about. The, the numbers are very clear that if you are African-American, you are much more, uh, much more likely to be arrested, that once arrested, you're mu- much more likely to be brought to uh, court, and that in court, you're much more likely to get the, the worst uh, or the highest range of, of sentencing. Um, so this is not a conversation that we're having, or this is not a debate. This, the, the numbers are, are in. We know where this stands. So the question at hand is that we have a number of voices who are who are arising throughout the United States who are attempting to move this forward as a social movement. Black Lives Matter being one of them. Colin Kaepernick is looking to 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 have his voice in this conversation. And all of them are are fielding challenges to their patriotism. And all of them are saying or there are people saying shut up, stop, stop uh, voicing it this way, or disagreeing with their methods. And I can't justify or get behind absolutely all of the methods of, of these social movements. But what I can say is that there's a reason why they are out there uh, and they are going to continue having and uh, moving this conversation into our laps uh, as long as it takes for them to see systematic change. Um, and so that's 
that's really what we're seeing on a national level is that this conversation is not going away. Uh, and uh, it's got momentum from the perspective of a social movement. They feel the momentum. They know that as these things, are, excuse me, as these things arise, as Kaepernick uh, gets more press, that more people are going to come to the to the table and have this conversation. So, from their perspective, they'll take the the challenge to their patriotism, so that again, more and more, uh, they'll have this conversation. And then history can decide whether they were or were not uh, patriotic. That in the moment, the, the hackles get up, people get defensive, uh, attack one another, um, that that's not the moment to decide what the historic significance of all of this is. Colin Kaepernick is going into the history books. Whether we like it or not, uh, he has now stuck around long enough. He has made enough press. He has made enough of a, an impact on our national level that he's going into the, the history books. Um, you know, and some people and they'll decide throughout time whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. But what we are seeing is that this, this is an important issue that we need to uh, have a debate about and that we can't dismiss it. Uh, Professor uh, Crawford, let me uh, throw this to you as well. Just a, a reminder to our listeners of what, what Ken is saying. He's comparing and contrasting Colin Kaepernick with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. He says, Dr. King was protesting systemic racism embedded in laws, widely held attitudes at the time. Kaepernick is not King. Black Lives Matter is another problematic approach. Reverse racism does not solve the racism uh, problem. Uh, what do you think? Um, uh, thank you, uh, Professor. I... Uh, you know, I was driving to work one day, and, and and I was thinking, you know, for me personally, what's worse, somebody burning a flag or Kaepernick taking a knee? And it drives me up the wall to see an American flag stomped on and burned uh, uh, versus uh, Kaepernick, uh, you know, uh, taking a knee as a way to, to protest uh, uh, his sentiments. Now, beyond that, the, the thought was, no matter how incensed I am about someone burning a flag, an American flag, you know, that individual or that group, if you will, they, they still have, uh, you know, uh, free will and, and, you know, free liberties to, to be able to do so, that we live in a society, you know, where... Uh, oftentimes, you can say things and 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 do things that that uh, incense uh, other communities, other individuals. But guess what? They have the freedom to be able to do it, and that's the kind of society uh, uh, that we uh, live in. Uh, and you know, I mean, I I think about when the Ku Klux Klan, you know. You know, gets a marching permit, and they then and they march down the, uh, the street. That, that uh, regardless of how incensed I am about it, they have a a, a right to be there. And so, in in my view, uh, part of what I try to do to reconcile all of this is to uh, uh, create a balance between, you know, do you allow people's uh, uh, free liberties to to uh, 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 prosper in a in a democracy, uh, where when at the same time what has to happen is are we creating the necessary tools for discourse toward uh, you know toward solution that you know are we just being passive about allowing these things to to uh, to happen are we just passive observers or you know are we really creating the the necessary tools for solution. I can understand the depth and breadth of, 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 of frustration when I, I think about, you know, uh, uh, people's reaction to Kaepernick, and then, and then I look at somebody like uh, the, the guy that was the Olympic swimmer, where I came in, uh, Ryan Lochte. Um, Lochte, yes. Mm -hmm. oh, and next thing you know, he pops on, up, up on Dancing with the Stars, you know, uh, that, that, you know, he's not really... You know, uh, you know, uh, taking any uh, uh, heavy rap in the same way that that Kaepernick is is taking it, but at the same time he went over there and really, you know, uh, uh, disrespected uh, the United States of America by uh, the act that he participated in. And so, 
when people see these uh, uh, differential ways in which uh, uh, justice is applied, you know, it, it adds uh, uh, fuel to the fire. For me, in short, I don't believe for one minute that what Kaepernick is doing any more than American Indian Movement, uh, na- uh, National Organization for Women, or PFLAG, or uh, Peter, I, you know, I don't believe for one minute that that the, that these acts of of public defiance will undermine the depth and breadth of uh, d- democracy that we have constructed and built for ourselves in 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 our uh, enduring constitution. And I'm not saying that as a as as a way to be all hunkadory and Pollyannish uh, about it. I, I recognize that. Uh, these things did not come uh, uh, naturally. They came in a very painful way. And so what I'm saying is that um, uh, uh, public discourse and public disagreement, you know, is is tried and and, and tested when you ground yourself in in our Constitution, however imperfect uh, it it might be, that uh, I might... Asked you to go back and read the old, uh, or it might have been 1930s, maybe early 1940s, uh, Walter Littman, uh, uh, The Indispensable Opposition, and, and have you read that narrative as a way to refresh us about how um, uh, uh, be, uh, uh, having opposition in larger democratic society in, in a lot of ways strengthens uh, who we are a, as a people. And so I'm not worried for one minute that society is unraveling or NFL is less than as a result of what uh, Kaepernick is, is doing. He ain't doing nothing that will disarm democracy um, any more than anybody else has done, that, that we have to continue to do things to strengthen our democracy and to check each, each other. But the way that we do that is to allow these things to prosper, but at the same time not have silence uh, set in, uh, assuming that we've arrived at a place where we feel comfortable about uh, who we are as American citizens. Uh, we'll, we're just about out of time. I'll try to fit in a couple of comments here from uh, that come to us by email, and then we'll close the program. This comes to us from, uh, and we appreciate our, our guests in, uh, on the phone and on the studio. Uh, this is from Alec. It's absolutely ridiculous that this could possibly reduce viewership of the NFL, especially considering that the actions of players over the last few years do not seem to generate nearly as much outrage. Between dogfighting rings, wife beatings, rape, child abuse, etc., how is this the thing that has angered America to such an extent? Thanks for that, Alec. This comes in from Pete. Personally, I don't like to mix my politics and sports, so I really haven't been watching the Cowboys or any other team this season. However, there are issues of racism in America, which is something that most of us all witness, and unfortunately some of us will be subject of. Most people are good people. What we must do is acknowledge racism exists and individually make sure that such bias is socially unacceptable in our in our circles. As far as police and issues of race are concerned, I believe that more research is necessary on officer-involved shootings and what could be uh, done to stop escalations. And uh, finally, from Jake, what about the fact that stomping on the flag is considered desecration of said flag and is against uh, the law? So uh, thanks for all those. We'll just uh, leave those as is. Thanks for responding to the program. And uh, Professor uh, Crawford, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir, for having me. And uh, thanks, Professor Gilmore. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Uh, You can continue the conversation at upraxis at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.